This is Mindset Rx, the podcast made especially for leaders, CEOs, and spiritual entrepreneurs who have ADHD or think they might. It's also for those of you who are asking big questions like, is this all there is? What's next? And what's my purpose? I'm your host, Dr. Robin McKay. I'm an award-winning psychologist and author, spiritual advisor to leaders in tech, healthcare, and entrepreneurship, and I'm a dog mom to my golden doodle puppy, Cooper Mac. Oh, and by the way, I also happen to have ADHD too. You can count on me and my world-class guests to bring you divine prescriptions for making the best of your brain, maximizing your strengths, and recalibrating your perspective so you can lean into your highest potential. See, I believe that neurodiverse, intuitive, intelligent leaders like you and me are wired for this time. We're here to create a new world for ourselves and other people. So it's time to anchor in and bring our visions into reality. Ready? Let's go. Welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Robin McKay, and this is Mindset Rx. Today, I have with us Faye, who is going to be talking with us today about all of the things that are on her heart and mind about ADHD and entrepreneurship in particular. And I want to just do a little introduction of Faye for us today. So Faye, the cosmic love is a divine motherhood mindset guide. She helps mothers heal from past trauma to parent their creations peacefully. Mothering oneself, children, and business is how Faye lends her genius to leaders internationally. And being a mother of 11 offers her a unique perspective and qualification. Through her passion for psychology, ministry, and cosmically introspective conversations, she created Sacred Birthing Method and has been able to transform the culture of homes and businesses for 10 years. Her own journey of introspection, intuition, impact, and influence sparked and continues to fuel her dedication to helping female leaders in home and business discover their divine authenticity. Faye, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you here with us. I'm so happy to be here. So this is a new conversation that we're having around the relationship between ADHD and women entrepreneurs in particular, and to even dial that even in more tightly, we are looking even at spiritual entrepreneurs, which I know is right in your wheelhouse. And y'all, Faye is somebody, if you're not following her on social media, you need to do so. I'm going to have you drop your handle in just a second, Faye, because she is somebody who, whenever your messages pop up on my feed, I'm like, oh, there she is again, dropping those wisdom bombs. Like you are a truth teller of the highest degree. And that's one of the things I love and admire about you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. That's an amazing compliment. So what is your handle that if people want to follow you while we're, while they're, they're listening to our talk today, where can they find you on social media? Faye, the cosmic love. Faye, the cosmic love, F-A-Y, the cosmic love. Yes. And, um, you know, we're, we've been connected on Facebook for a long time, but I know you're also over on Instagram and probably some other places as well. Yeah. I just started dibbling and dabbling on Instagram, Mm -hmm. despite my nervousness Um, (laughs) (laughs) and tweeting those tweets. Tweeting out the tweets. Yeah. Oh man. It's tough. (laughs) Well, thanks for joining us here today. And let's just go ahead and dive right in. One of the things that I love to do when I'm talking about ADHD with women leaders and entrepreneurs is 
get your angle or perspective on this. It's a little bit of a, I don't know if it's a controversial subject, but it's definitely one that is a hot topic right now. So what's your take on ADHD? Okay, so what society calls ADHD, you know, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, um, I think is misnamed, honestly. Um, I don't think, in my personal opinion, that there's any hyperactivity. I think that the lens that we view activity from is a lens of um, the, the reconstruction era. Um, what we perceive as hyperactivity is just what our normal baseline should be in a society that truly honors freedom. Um, I just got chills, Faye, when you started talking about uh, what you said about the reconstruction area. Can we drill down into that and help our listeners understand and really dive deep with you in terms of what you're thinking with that? Okay. That's really interesting. I haven't heard that that angle before. And I think it's really important as we're looking at diversity issues, as we're looking at inclusion and belonging, that we take a look at the root cause or the roots of this issue with hyperactivity. Okay. So I know that once upon a time on earth, people operated um, differently, right? They would wake up in the morning, usually operating on a circadian rhythm, they had a list of things that they would like to accomplish for the day. Um, and they were, for the most part, self-governed, right? Um, and then came capitalism. And with capitalism came our current education system, um, the factory method, right? Creating worker bees. So with the worker bee mentality, um, especially around the early 1900s here in America, it became a system where you couldn't follow your passions on a daily basis, right? Um, if you wanted to survive, if you wanted to maybe even thrive, you would have to follow a specific formula every day to get your needs met, meaning get up, but crack of dawn, get dressed, maybe eat something, go to the factory, work, um, get home, sleep, do it again every single day. So the way that you would have to govern your energy to make money for, for the sake of this conversation, we'll call the man, um, isn't how we used to operate as a collective prior to this system of doing things, right? Prior to the industrial age, um, you would wake up and follow your passions to a certain degree. Yes, take care of your basic needs, but it wouldn't be perceived as hyperactive. It was just active. But then when you're comparing what the baseline normal is in our day and age, where you know there's a system in place, a worker bee system in place, everything above that normal is hyper. And it's a system created to drain you where you have no energy to do anything outside of the pre-prescribed norm. This is so good. Let me tell you what has occurred to me over the, over the years that I've been doing this work is that the corporate culture that 
people are working in today is set up to create the conditions for people to believe that they're cogs in a great machine, that they are robots, that they are clones and they're not. Mm -hmm. And so to your point about managing energy, managing activity in order to, you know, toe the line or to stay in the box or to stay safe or to get the money that you need to go out and do things, um, you have to be a certain way. And those who fell outside of that range, which I'm guessing that when you were a kid, you probably did. I certainly did as well. Oh, absolutely. We got, we got in big trouble for that. So there was, uh, there was a consequence to having the brains that we had and the creativity that we, that we were born with. So can we talk about for you, uh, your personal experience with ADHD, maybe growing up, maybe your first, and I know you've got lots of, lots of babies in your, in your (laughs) sphere as well. So I'm guessing that you've got some personal experiences with ADHD, and then we'll move into, we'll build that bridge between the corporate, your personal experiences, and then your professional experiences in entrepreneurship. Okay, absolutely. Um, Well, growing up, um, my family is Haitian, and they are more on the bougie side, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. many socialites and such. And so I was raised to have a very clear understanding of what it is to be ladylike. Now, I'm, according to my family, too loud, too much, you know, um, I'm su- I've always been super creative and into everything, you know, I, I just soak up knowledge so quickly um, and retain knowledge quicker than a lot of my family members. So I was always, you know, wanting to share what I'm learning and getting into new things, following new passions, putting things down, picking things up and such. And there was, I would say, its consequence, but it was very subtle. Um, Mild bullying from adults, um, being ostracized by family members around my age, um, just a constant knowing of my too muchness. Mm. You know, when I was younger, so, I got married when I was 17. My husband appreciated all my muchness, but it was something that really still stuck with me. So I didn't realize until I got much older how I was used to playing small in almost every arena so that I wasn't perceived as too much because if I'm perceived as too much, I'll be left alone or I'll be um, made fun of. Mm -hmm. I I become the butt of people's jokes until they need a piece of information that they know that I have because I'm just that type of person, you know? Um, They Mm -hmm. would joke around that, like I'm I'm like an encyclopedia, you know, Mm -hmm. or I'm their Google. Mm -hmm. And so I wasn't worth more than my intellect everything Mm. else about me was just painfully too much for them. Mm. Eventually, you know, 
moving away from my family and just focusing on the family that I've intentionally created allowed me a space to be all of my muchness. But even then, I was always self-conscious, even when interacting with my children, that my children would perceive me through the same lens as my other family members. And it took me a long time to, I guess, find my rhythm. It wasn't until I was, I would say, in my mid-20s that I realized that all the areas that were too much for my family members fell under the the ADHD umbrella and it took me a while to you know go out and seek a diagnosis Mm -hmm. I was kind of nervous because then there's a certain level of accountability that comes with that okay if somebody you know puts this label on you what do you do with it then right um so I I did some mindset work around that to ensure that no matter what a professional said, that I would be okay finding my own rhythm and living my best life and not allowing it to be a curse instead of a blessing, Mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Of course it does. And I know that our listeners are going to totally get that as well. As I was listening to you, I was reflecting on the book that I co-wrote with my mentor from grad school called Smart Girls in the 21st Century. And one of the things that we conceptualize in the book is what we call the beehive model of talent, where there are some bees in the hive who are meant to be the worker bees. They're our our world's experts. They're the ones who aren't particularly creative, but they are pretty smart and they're hard workers. And if you give them a task, they will do the task perfectly and they will come back and ask for another task. What's next? Then we have another group of bees in the hive. And that group of bees in the hives are the innovators. They're the ones who are highly open to experiences. So they have a creative personality. They're very bright. So they figure things out quickly, make sense of things, know what to do about them. And nobody knows what to do with us until we create something that they had no idea that they even needed. Or they'll only come to us when it's, to your point, They need information or they need wisdom or something like that. But otherwise, it's sort of like the the innovators in the beehive are left kind of on the periphery because nobody, all of the normal people, all of the worker bees don't know what to do with us. Does that make sense? Absolutely. It makes absolute sense. So when you live in a system and a culture and society that values I'm going to say normal, normal gender roles. Girls need to be polite. They need to be quiet. They need to be diminutive. And if you're not that, if you're too much, as so many bright girls are who have, who happen to also have ADHD or another kind of twice exceptionality, um, it's, it's real tough to grow up. And it's real tough because you know, from the time you're a little kid that you're quite different from everybody else. Um, so there's a there's that sense of wanting to be part of, wanting to be a part of the community, wanting to be included, and yet also knowing just inherently or intuitively that you are quite different. And a lot of the girls that become accomplished women like yourself will find their own way. 
because that's the other piece of the puzzle for the innovators is that we kind of look outside of what's what's expected or what's um, ex accepted in the the culture and create our own our own worlds, which is what I think you've done so beautifully. Thank you so much. Mm, you're um, welcome. I was, while you were speaking, um, I was thinking about um, a conversation that I had with a young woman last year on the topic where I brought up um, just a mild introspective question. Is it possible that ADHD to a degree is really the idea that some people were able to conform to like societal mediocrity quicker than others. Mm, what a great question. What did she say? She didn't know where to place it. She said she felt internally conflicted because it's almost like she felt convicted, like someone had stolen her bright light and her sovereignty and her freedom and very, very early on. So she was a conformist, right? Um, and through just looking at the pattern of her life early on, she, they beat certain things out of her mm -hmm. very early on, you know, so she couldn't afford to misplace things otherwise she'd get a beaten um she couldn't afford to forget things you know um a lot of the quintessential adhd traits were beat out of her very early on she which then creates a, which yeah. then creates the system of trauma that you're you're so adept at being able to help people move through for sure right and yeah to your point it's like one of, in all my years of working with accomplished high potential, high ability women is who happen to have ADHD or dyslexia or anxiety, depression, mood disorders, whatever that twice exceptionality is really, is that there's such a deep level of shame that's kind of built into the things that we don't even know that we're doing wrong. Like I was looking at the diagnostic criteria for ADHD last mm -hmm. week as I was prepping for these interviews. And I'm like, I was taking, I was taking it so personally. I'm like, what do you mean I'm careless? I don't mean to be care. Like, it's not like I'm intentionally being careless. I don't think you're careless at all. I think, <laughs> I, I think well, they'll, they'll tell you that you're careless because you don't care about what they're telling you you need to care about. You know, it's such a good point. I was thinking the example I was giving is we have uh, the trash guys come every whatever, what's yesterday, Wednesday. My husband was leaving. He usually takes out the, we have a big trash thing that we have to take out to the curb. And he asked me if I would do it. And I did. And I pulled it out there and I went back in. And later that day, my husband said, um, sweetheart, you didn't have it turned the right direction. So they left it. And I was like, oh, that was so, such an ADHD moment. Like I didn't even pay attention. I just pulled it out there. I was having a good time, enjoying the sunshine. And, you know, <laughs> was I being careless? I don't know. I just, uh, it wasn't yeah. like I was intentionally doing something to make somebody mad or make somebody's life difficult. It just happens. Yes. And it happens to everyone. It happens to everyone because we'll put, we prioritize things, right? And 
I something that I noticed over the years is those who fall under the ADHD umbrella prioritize pleasure and ease. Mm-hmm. They, they're not prioritizing um, safety and security. Or duty and responsibility. Or duty and responsibility, <laughs> like the majority of humanity, right? So when you are prioritizing, sometimes it's subconscious, um, pleasure and ease, what you focus on on a daily basis, if it's not a means to your pleasure and ease end, um, can be perceived as careless when you're not paying attention to the details of those things because we're big picture people, Mm -hmm. you know? And the big picture of our lives is sovereignty, freedom, right? Freedom of expression, freedom to love, freedom of expansion. And all of these minute occurrences that do not lean us towards that ultimate expansion is expendable. So we're not going to put every ounce of our energy, every ounce of our intentions and focus into these things that are expendable because in the grand picture of our sovereign lives, they mean nothing. Whereas, you know? It is such a good point that I prioritize big picture things and I I have a sense that you do too. In fact, I was reflecting that the very gifts that we use in our healing practices, when I'm doing psychic surgery, energy psychology, moving energy, clearing energy for and with my clients, I don't, I can't be in the weeds. I have to be high level, defocused, Uh tuning into the non-physical, getting information, downloading it and communicating it. Yes. That's the very gift. That's like core and central to who I am as a healer, as a teacher, as a leader. Those very things that I'm so gifted at from in my in the sessions that I do and the healing work that I do are <laughs> the very characteristics that create the conditions for me to not pay attention to, you know, which direction the trash can is facing. Right. It's Does that make sense? Absolutely. Um and not to take away from those that have the gift of detail, right? Um, oh, I love them. They're my right. favorites because they they help keep me between the ditches. I don't know about that for you, but that's really how the detail-oriented yes. people I really require in my business in particular because I c- literally can't see the details sometimes. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say that? Yes, I do. Like it is just so outside of my scope you know um it's so far from my peripheral I don't even know it exists um and I believe that every vision needs the support to bring it to fruition okay and that's you know within the microcosm and the macrocosm So when we're looking at how human beings interact with one another, we have those that are indeed visionaries. And to be a visionary um, in terms of, you know, just interacting with the conscious collective, right? Not just in your home. You have to be able to let go of the details in order to hold space for 
the big vision, right? And mm -hmm. then you need those who are built to carry out the details to support that master vision. It's not that, you know, one is more important than the other, but if we have a group of five people who are masters at carrying out the details, right? And it doesn't matter at which frequency they're doing it. It could be for good, it could be for evil, it could be for the in-between, it doesn't matter. Their gift is the detail. Um, there's no morality clause for that. That gift has to be used for the greater, the greater good, right? Um, for it to have the, the best impact for all, not just for the individual. So where do they get the vision from to allocate those detail-oriented energy stores? Who is the holder of the vision? Who keeps it alive? Who's able to project that onto the crew of detail-oriented people? If not those with our types of gifts, you know, if not those with the bird's eye view, the ones that give up needing to sort through the weeds, mm -hmm. it's necessary. Mm -hmm. So when I hear disorder in the mix, I'm, I'm a little confused because without us, there is disorder. Many people working towards, you know, details at what end with no vision. With no vision. It reminds me, Friedrich Nietzsche, the philosopher once said that chaos gives birth to a dancing star. And those spiritual entrepreneurs, the visionary leaders that you and I are talking about and that we're part of that community of people are very comfortable in chaos. And yet for business, we do need structure. We do need systems. We do need people to take care of the details. We cannot, we cannot do it's. And here's the hard part, Faye. And I want to get your take on this for the entrepreneurs and the leaders among us. We think that we should be able to do everything all by ourselves. We think that because I can do something, I should do that something. Because I can file, I should do that. Because I can keep track of my taxes, I should do that. So how do you, when you're working with people on their businesses who are visionaries, who are spiritually intelligent, the, the leaders and the CEOs in, in the spiritual entrepreneur world, how do you, What's your take on how to move them into a place of letting go of some of the details, letting go of the belief that they have to do everything all by themselves? Okay, so I would say 98% of the people that I work with are women and 90% of those women are mothers. So it's easier for me to get them within this frame of reference. Mm -hmm. um, I express to them, well, first I ask them if they believe that visions need to be birthed and a hundred percent of the time the answer is yes so I say okay you have a vision that wants to be birthed this is this is your intention correct yes okay now how would you feel having a completely unsupported conception gestation birthing and postpartum period and for everyone, that sounds absurd and disgusting. They want and isolating to be, and lonely. 
Exactly. They want to be fully supported while they are creating this beautiful thing to, to offer up the world, right? I'm like, okay, well, that same energy that's used when birthing a human being is the same exact energy used when birthing anything else, your business, um, your podcast, your ebook, it doesn't matter. It is the same energy, the same blueprint every single time. And believing that you are doing yourself or the world a great service by doing everything yourself is not only very self-sabotaging, it, it's not loving yourself. You cannot love yourself truly and desire struggle. And at the root of all that is fear, scarcity, and lack. Oftentimes, you'll have this idea that you should do everything yourself. You have a responsibility to do yourself, do it all yourself. And it'll come off as noble when, in fact, you're afraid that every time you ask somebody for help, that there, there's horrible strings attached, that you're going to have to pay a price that's heavier than what you want, right? There's some type of hidden clause or that it makes you weak, or that you're upholding some type of standard placed on you by your parental figures. Um, there's always fear behind that because expansion needs support every single time. There's no one man show. Anything that you're learning, like even if you went to YouTube University, th these are people who birthed their visions, created content for you to absorb in order for you to expand. That's still a level of support. So now the question isn't um, whether or not you're going to accept support. It's how much support are you willing to offer yourself as a tribute, as an honor? How much of it? How much good are you willing to receive? And why are you putting limitations on how much good you're willing to receive? How much support you're willing to receive? Because that's, that's going to directly result um, in how big your vision can get, right? If you're pregnant and you're only eating hot chips and Mountain Dew, guess what? That baby is missing some key nutrients and so are you. And that's going to affect the health of the baby. If you are trying to do it all yourself without absorbing the nutrients, right? The energetic and intellectual nutrients that you need during your business gestation period so that it can be as healthy as possible. Guess what? There's something that's going to be lacking. Even after so, you launch. This is so good. So message number one is stop eating hot chips and Mountain Dew. Hello. To, yes. To feed your business. Come on. And I feel Come like on. that's exactly what they're doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're feeding their baby hot chips and Mountain Dew. And that's what that's what that looks like saying, okay, I'm gonna be the one to take all of these discovery calls and I'm gonna be the one to um create my sales page and create all the emails and set up the funnel. Um, I'm also gonna be the one to talk to all of the potential suppliers and distributors. Um, I'm gonna be the one to filter through my cold leads to figure out if they're going to move to the warm lead list like doing all that's not where your gifts are best suited 
You know, what's so interesting as I'm listening to you, Faye, you and I, have, we're not the OGs maybe in spiritual entrepreneurship, but we've been around for a while. Yeah. And I remember, you know, 10, 12 years ago when I was starting my, my business, that was the model of coaching that was being taught at the time is a do-it-yourself approach. So those of us who came into entrepreneurship land, you know, 10, 12, 15 years ago, mm-hmm. we did put things together with duct tape and bailing wire. And we did have this sense of, of pride in the self-sacrifice, in the blood, oh, sweat, and tears. Yes. Um, and those are the stories that we hear about the people who have accomplished great things in entrepreneurship is, you know, the blood, sweat, and tears, the Sarah Blakely's of the world who, you know, schlepped her Spanx door to door looking for buyers for that and that kind of thing. And so what I'm hearing you say is that part of the work for those of us who are visionaries is to get out of the blood, sweat, and tears, the sacrifice, um, the, the sacrifice paradigm, if you will, and move into something different. In motherhood, because I see no difference between mothering children and mothering a business, none at all. Um, I believe that the only thing you should ever in life be willing to sacrifice is your ego. The part of you that believes that you are separate from source the source of all abundance, um, the source of flowing, expansive life. That is the only thing that you should be willing to give up, in my personal opinion. Um, Sometimes it's difficult for, for mothers, for spiritual entrepreneurs to come to grips with what is moving them towards expansion and what's pulling away from expansion, what's um, constricting them because of what you were discussing, you know, how not so long ago, it was the DIY. And when you sit there and you really think about why we are, we feel so valuable or honored by saying, hey, I did it all on my own. there's something cringy about it to me because as I've moved through parenting and through different stages of my career I tell everyone I'm lazy okay I don't want to do anything at all that I don't feel like doing anything that doesn't lead to future pleasure and ease I have no interest in whatsoever I don't have time for the small talk. I don't have time for schmoozing. There's plenty of things I just don't have time for because I want to enjoy my life. And where other people are like, well, why don't you do all this large list of things to get 50 million more clients? I'm just like, you know how much work that would take little old me? No, Mm -hmm. no, 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 because I can, I can call on 15 people right now and borrow their genius. Why would I want to do otherwise? Do you not think that you are deserving of the easiest life possible? Because the hardest part 
of an easy life is accepting that it can be easy. That is literally the hardest part. Do you think that people with ADHD have a responsibility with regard to their authenticity? Absolutely. What is it? Um, what is their responsibility? Our responsibility? I think that because we just we naturally vibrate different than what we've been taught. And we have that fight that ah, I know I'm supposed to be conforming, but I really can't do it to the point where it's painful. It's emotionally painful and it's mentally painful because we're fighting conformity. Um, when we're left to our own devices and supported in that way, the world gets to witness what creative freedom looks like. It's inspirational. We have a responsibility to show other people what pleasure, ease, and expansion can look like all the time. What honoring who you are looks like all the time. That they don't have to continue to uphold past systems because the, our, our previous system, especially in business, is very, um, I'm going to say masculine. And for those, um, I don't it's mean fine. That. Okay. <laughs> no, it's fine. All right. It is. It's, okay. it's, there's, well, we talk about a lot in the corporate culture, how it's bro culture. It's that kind of fist bumping competitive, not always, but there is still a lot of that going on. And entrepreneurship is kind of the same way, yes. especially when you look at entrepreneurs more generally Absolutely. outside of spiritual entrepreneurship. There's just a lot of that still, there's still a lot of that competitive energy. There's still a lot of the, um, power through, struggle through, grit it through energy. And I associate all of those with not the healthy masculine, no, but no, kind absolutely of not. the wounded masculine for sure. Yes. It's like one giant power struggle. Mm. Um, and it, like, even when we're talking about business systems, sales systems, funnels, it, it's very masculine in a sense where you think that you can birth what you would like to birth using somebody else's womb? Oof. No. How? Because I've I birthed nine children and each birth is different. Mm. Every funnel from, from conception to birth is the funnel, right? It's different every time. If I ask someone else, okay, what's the best way for me to birth this baby? Hey, I might get some advice from here, some advice from there that will lead me to more pleasure and ease during my birthing experience. But I cannot, it's not cookie cutter. I cannot use your exact birthing method for myself because I'm going to be inauthentic in that way. I'm going to be breathing <laughs> instead of screaming to the top of my lungs or grunting, which is gonna cause physical pain during labor and delivery because I'm not in flow. 
So when I'm talking about like the masculine systems, it's it's across the board. It's intentionally ignoring your intuition out of fear that if you don't follow somebody else's plan, you will fail and lose any sense of safety and security that you have. This is so good. As I'm thinking about funnels and I'm thinking about structures within businesses, and I think about my own work in this area, my own, my own business and how I have offered opportunities to work with me to come into my community over the years and how I would look at some entrepreneurs and they would just basically say, well, it's lather, rinse, repeat, just lather, rinse, repeat, Robin. And I'm like, oh my God, like I can't. And that in part is my creative brain that is like, but every, everything is different. Everything that I offer or invite people into is different. It has a different personality. It has a different feel to it. Yes. And, and so it requires a different, a different aspect of you, a different version of you. Mm-hmm, you can't, ex- mm-hmm. you cannot expand and birth like you did 10 years ago. Mm-mm. You would have Mm -mm. to have some level of stagnancy to rinse and repeat. Yeah, you can't. When you look at the actualization, leaning into your highest potential, becoming the version of yourself that's next, the version of yourself that's next can't fit into that same framework that we used five years ago or two years ago, certainly. Or sometimes even yesterday. Or sometimes even yesterday. This is so good. I find it so interesting, um, especially when I'm working with entrepreneurs, because I don't, I don't teach about funnels um, for the most part. I have a program called the Sacred Birthing Blueprint. And what's interesting is I always explain to them that this isn't really a secret, you know, I, I'm, I'm helping you along the way, um, holding your hand along the way sometimes if you need it so that you can live it out. But it, it's not a system that I created. It's actually built in to all of nature, this sacred birthing method. It all, all everything that has come into fruition, everything that has been manifested, created, follows the same exact blueprint every single time. And so I teach them the sacred birthing blueprint so that they can use the resources that they have appropriately. Because very often, because of the the bro methods (laughs) of business. Oh, those bro methods. (laughs) You know it. Um, In phase one of, let's say your program, program conception, um, you're using bro method number one, when that actually shouldn't be used until phase six, if you were actually birthing according to nature's guidelines. So this reminds me of poetry. So let me just explain that just briefly that oh, you're talking about it sounds like it's about to get juicy it just it may be 
Well, you talk about nature's blueprint and I always think about anything that we put out into the world still needs structure. And one of the things that people who have ADHD brains or neurodiverse brains sometimes have a hard time with structure. We at once are repelled by structure and very magnetized to structure. So I always look at poetry and I'm not talking about free form like prose or anything like that. But I remember when I was probably in third grade, my teacher, Mrs. Weiss, taught us how to write haiku. You know, haiku is a very specific rhythm with a very specific number of syllables per line. There's three lines. The first line has five syllables. The second has seven. The third has five. I felt like I had opened Pandora's box or something. It was the most amazing experience to be able to have the freedom within that structure, to be able to create what I wanted to create, to be able to say what I wanted to say within that structure. So I always think we still need a structure. We just have to find the structure that's appropriate for the stage of business, for the, the stage of ourselves as, as spiritually intelligent leaders, and really kind of tune into first, what is the structure? What is the blueprint? And then from there, once we get the blueprint, it's not like we then copy somebody else's content. It's then you get to channel through that consciousness, that energy, that awareness that is wanting to come through you in the form of your business. Yes, I love that um, example that you just gave in terms of the haiku, because I held a conference about three months ago uh, with a group of women in Miami and I was explaining to them, you know, how the sacred birthing blueprint works and how it's in alignment with nature. And we went through the six phases and all, all of these women had birthed children. So I expressed, you know, phase one is sacred foreplay, right? So this comes before the actual conception of your idea. This is imaginative exploration. Um, noticing what your boundaries are, right? It, within the realm of your imagination, within the womb of the dark mother, what boundaries have you placed? Um, where does your safety and security lie? Uh, what, what boundaries have you placed on the good that you're willing to receive? Are you able to imagine more for yourself than what you've already received, right? And then we move into the conception phase, which is the coupling of the divine feminine, divine masculine. Um, logic meets emotion, focused thought meets emotion. And being able to use your five senses to place yourself in that future that you want in order to receive the energy and the focus to birth this vision that you have, right? And then we move into the gestation phase. So that's, you know, the planning, um, figuring out what resources you already have, what resources you need, putting together your team, um, mapping things out time-wise, you know, everything that you would do if you're pregnant with a human. And then the labor, you know, actually putting in the work, right? With the team that you've already selected and the birthing. For many people, that's launch day. And then the postpartum period, which everyone should honor. Now, within that framework, how are you not free? And what aspect of creation does not use that framework? 
Do you kind of see what I'm saying? Yeah, I think that that's such a beautiful structure or methodology to to conceive and then to bring into the world the things that we are meant to. And I think that, you know, you have ADHD. You know yes. how we like to skip steps. We love to skip steps. Right. And that framework keeps me from skipping steps. Exactly. Because I, I talk about it sometimes as like when you're baking a cake and you put all the ingredients together, you put the, the ingredients mixed up in the pan and then you put the pan in the oven and you turn the oven on and then you want the cake to be done immediately. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, and so we have this level of impatience because in our mind's eye, we can see the final product. And it's mm -hmm. profoundly disappointing sometimes when we open our eyes and we're like, where's my stuff? Because I could see it so clearly in my mind's eye. But there is a process, a developmental process that we have to go through. And it's not to punish us. And it's not to create the conditions for us to be impatient or for us to be ashamed of wanting things before they're done. No, no. But instead, I think that we also have to have other projects to keep us occupied and to keep us challenged while we're waiting for whatever stage of the business we're in to yes. coalesce. Does that make I sense? I always have a bunch of different projects going on yeah. because I have a bunch of different interests. And again, I like pleasure and ease, pleasure being the best. <laughs> I like it. I like it all. And I'm... Right now I'm working on a seminar, right? But I'm also planning my homeschool year for my seniors. And I'm also helping a friend of mine with an astrology course. Like I have a bunch of different things going on at one time. And because I'm honoring every stage of the sacred birthing, I don't, I'm, I don't feel that scarcity or lack. Mm -hmm. because I know that I'm allocating my energy stores appropriately. So I'm not wasting money. Or time I'm or not energy. wasting time because when you try to labor, right? If you're trying to go into labor, but you're only what four months pregnant, what's going to happen? You're going to hurt yourself or you're going to hurt the baby because you're doing something out of its appointed time. You, you're not going to be universally supported when you're doing something out of its appointed time based on what it is that you are trying to birth. You are not going to receive that support. And then you're going to use your lack of support as supporting evidence for whatever limiting core beliefs that you have. When in fact, you are being called to fall into alignment with your, your greatest form of expansion. You're resisting it because of your your bro funnels <laughs> you know whatever your bro funnels your comparisonitis your yes. all of the things that keep us disconnected from the truth the central truth of who we are as divine and eternal beings of love and light and visionary leaders here on this on this earth plane absolutely Faye this has been magical beautiful thank you so much for being here with us we're going to put your social handles in the show notes so people will be able to get in touch with you that way. Do you have anything coming up that we need to know about that you'd love to invite people to connect with you about? 
I actually will be opening up a six month container for beautiful spiritual mompreneurs who are having difficulty around following their own natural rhythm in terms of birthing their visions, who have all the resources, they have all the tools, they just don't know which phase to plot them into in order to save the most time and the most energy so that they can live their best lives. Mm. Um, and this is especially for those under the ADHD umbrella because I've found the most freedom within this blueprint. Um, and you'll be surrounded by others who have similar experiences and can offer support. You know, you'll have those that you can mentor and then those mentoring you. So mm -hmm. I'm super, super excited to be offering this program and it's gonna be starting at the end of July. Awesome. Well, how can they get a hold of you about that? Okay, well, I'm Faith the Cosmic Love on all social media platforms. And okay. also, um, faiththecosmiclove at gmail.com. I'm always open to receiving emails and I check them twice a week. <laughs> I'm telling you guys right now. So, like so many of us, we have an allergy <laughs> to emails. I know, yes. I know for sure. <laughs> but I do get back to everyone. I well, do. I just have loved having you on Mindset RX. It has been a pleasure. It oh my gosh. Such a pleasure. So magical. And I've learned, I've had a couple of aha moments during our time together that Me I'm going too. to take and apply in my business. I know it's so good. It's so good to be connected. Thank you so much for being here. Everyone, thank you so much for listening. We will. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. We will see you all next time. Yes. Be blessed. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Mindset RX is in the books. Let me know if this was helpful. If you found it inspiring, be sure to share it to social media. And if you think someone in your life would appreciate it, then send them the link. And if you do share it on social media, be sure to tag me at dr.robinmckay. Okay, that's going to be it for today's episode. If you loved what you learned today, I'd love it if you'd leave a review on the podcast so that more people can join us on this journey. Thanks so much for tuning in, and I will chat with you again next time.